Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport News. This is episode 119, recorded September 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Charles Grant. And in today's episode, U.S. sues to block Asa Abloy and Spectrum Brands merger. Questions remain about Brink's truck jewelry heist. Locksmith scam alert. Skylar Town likes artichoke. LockCon recap, new products, meetups, criminals, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, Odyssey, or Apple Podcasts. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Some apps limit the length of show notes and the ability to post full links, but you can always find full show notes at thelocksportscast.com. First up in the news this week, we have a story of a locksmith who discovered one of these locksmith scam operations and reported them to the Better Business Bureau. The story that was shared was entitled, A Great Barrington Locksmith Helped to Uncover a Widespread Scam in His Field Leading to Fraud Alert. This is out of Massachusetts. And it was Norbert Ruthel, who owns Norbert's Locksmith in Great Barrington, was doing research on the internet recently when he came across a group of locksmiths who claimed to serve customers in Great Barrington and all of them had toll-free numbers. One had even listed Ruthel's home address on its business site. What he uncovered was an apparent scam involving fake locksmiths who masquerade as local businesses and hit customers with unexpected fees. A subsequent investigation by the Better Business Bureau of Central New England found the same scam was being conducted in other parts of the state, particularly around Worcester. As of Friday, Great Barrington Police had received no reports of the locksmith scam yet. Ruthel said people are definitely getting ripped off and he's angry that his home address turned up in the scammers listings. He said, I don't have an office and I don't work 24 hours a day and weekends, he said. I'm concerned that someone could show up in the middle of the night and start banging on my door. Nancy Cahallan, president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Central New England, said, I don't know when they started appearing in Western Massachusetts region, but this is a common scam and it's very broadly used. We've seen this before, but there's always a new wrinkle. And the new wrinkle here is that they're using paid advertising and searches in order to promote their businesses. It's really important that people do their research. All of the toll-free numbers listed contain the same web address. The fake locksmiths operating in Worcester and other parts of the state use the same web addresses as the ones in Great Barrington. Cahallan said, The concern is that this is really a call center and they're trying to catch people in their moment of need. When they need someone right away because they've been locked out, they may not do the research. According to the Better Business Bureau, Many of the scammers use the name or logo of a reputable locksmith to advertise their business. When contacted, the fake locksmiths do not provide a specific name. They frequently respond saying, thank you for calling the locksmith company or hi and thank you for calling our company. When pressed, they say things like, we changed our name four months ago or just hang up. They often arrive in unmarked vans or trucks or in a vehicle that contains a different name from the business listed on the web. And then they make the point to say that legitimate locksmiths typically arrive in clearly marked vehicles and will provide identification when asked. The scammers will quote a reasonable price on the phone, but often find ways to increase the price once they arrive. It says that the Better Business Bureau has received scam tracker reports of locksmiths charging $600 to make faulty keys 
or as much as 345 to duplicate a key or provide customers with invoices from different companies. And I know we've covered this before, but this is happening not just in the U.S., but in multiple countries. And there must be a lot of money in it. And I'm not really sure what the solution to a problem like this is. Because I don't even think, since they're kind of skirting outside the law anyway by using fake business names and addresses, I don't think even strict license enforcement would do anything for these guys. They obviously don't care about the laws. They're just out there to scam people of money. And this is a quick, easy way to do it, I guess. But as such, it would not hurt that if you notice anything that looks suspicious like this, report it. Report it to your Better Business Bureau. Report it to local authorities. Report it to whoever you can think of. And uh, hopefully, maybe we can make it life a little more difficult for them. Next up in the news, U.S. sues to block $4.3 billion lock deal between Asset Alloy and its U.S. rival Spectrum Brands. This being reported by a couple of different organizations. The article I pulled most of this from is by Reuters, and it states that the U.S. Justice Department has sued to block the deal between Asa Abloy and Spectrum Brands, and it states that the U.S. Justice Department has sued to block the proposed deal by Asa Abloy to buy Spectrum Brands Hardware and Home Improvement Division. In the complaint, the Justice Department charges that the merger would risk higher prices, lower quality, reduced innovation, and poorer service in at least two types of residential door hardware, premium mechanical door lock hardware, and smart locks. Asa Abloy makes brands such as Yale, August, and Mtech, while Spectrum's division makes Baldwin and Quickset. They say that competition between these two companies, which are two of the three largest companies in an already concentrated industry, has benefited American consumers in the form of lower prices and better quality. The department said that if the deal went through, it would give Asa Abloy a near monopoly in top-line mechanical door hardware and more than half the market for smart locks, which is a fast-growing market segment. The company said in a statement that they strongly disagree with the Department of Justice's characterization of the proposed transaction and will vigorously contest the lawsuit. And in a separate statement, David Mora, Spectrum Brand CEO, said, despite disagreeing strongly with the DOJ's purported concerns in the spirit of compromise and to speed delivery of concrete benefits this transaction offers to stakeholders, Spectrum Brands and Asset Boy made numerous proposals to address the DOJ's concerns, each of which were rejected without valid basis. The DOJ's choice to pursue litigation places political ideology above the interests of the American consumer and workers. We are confident the court will agree with us and will allow us to close the transaction. The two companies had announced previously that they would extend their purchase agreement to June 30th, 2023. The article states that this deal is one of a growing number of transactions that have faced a legal challenge from the Justice Department, whose leaders have argued that antitrust laws have been under-enforced. The department has sued acquisitions in books, insurance, sugar production, and the defense industry. And to be honest, I I haven't paid too much attention to the market, and I haven't looked into this particular deal at all. Um, in specifics. I don't know for sure how much of the market it gives them, how much power it would give them over the market. And it's interesting, you know, 
the rhetoric on both sides is always going to be biased towards their side. So it's hard to know where the, the middle ground actually is. When the companies say that they made some proposals to address the concerns and those were rejected without valid basis, what's their definition of a valid basis? I mean, is it that the DOJ is being unreasonable or is it that they have an unreasonable expectation of what a valid, valid basis is? It's hard to say. That deal will likely be on hold until this gets sorted out. So don't hold your breath for any quick changes happening there. While we're on the subject of Asa Abloy, they have reportedly unveiled a redesigned and easier-to-use learning experience platform on their Asa Abloy Academy. And they say the changes will continue in 2023 when Asa Abloy Academy adds its own Locksmith Academy. Uh, this article was entitled Asa Abloy Academy Upgrades Learning Experience Platform. And it says that the Asa Abloy Academy LXP is designed to educate door and hardware professionals and feature training from the fundamentals through advanced learning. Classes are broken into three levels for professionals listed on the site, locksmiths, contract hardware or wholesaler, systems integrator and architect or design professionals. Asa Abloy describes the LXP as hub-like, where a large selection of e-learning, in-person and virtual instructor-led training, continuing education courses and webinars are housed in a centralized environment. Content can be searched by subject or brand, which makes browsing courses much easier, they say. They say that currently about 70 classes are offered. Some of them are online and some of them are in-person, instructor-led at Asa Abloy's seven U.S. training centers. Asa Abloy Academy also maintains a video library of previous classes as a reference. They say every online class is free, as are about 95% of the in-person classes, according to Tom Seidel, Manager of Training and Education at Asa Abloy Door Security Solutions. And they say that Aloha and Door Hardware Institute continuing education credits are earned when courses are completed. As far as the upcoming Locksmith Academy goes, Sedell describes the upcoming Asa Abloy Locksmith Academy as part of the solution to a problem many commercial lock shops face, how to hire, train, and retain new employees. Locksmith Academy sessions will be in-person with plenty of hands-on training. Classes will last a week and a half. The first session will be a test run in November at Asa Abloy Training Center in Ontario, California. Seidel expects two sessions to be held in 2023. So if you are a locksmith looking for some continuing education stuff, and Banner Solutions has announced their upcoming price increases. They say to our valued customers, thank you for your continued partnership with Banner Solutions. We value your business and want to ensure that we keep you appraised of any projected price increases announced by manufacturers. Below, you'll find manufacturers that have communicated future price increases and the dates in which they will be in effect. And on the list, in, on September 19th, it looks like we have price increases of 6.5% on mechanical and 9.5% on electronic for brands such as Aerolock and Door Hardware. Asa, Corbin Ruswin, Medico, Norton, Rickson, Sargent, Yale. In October, on the 3rd, we have price increases from Dormacaba, and those range from 68 to 8.9%. In November, 
prices increase from Baldwin Estates, and those will be 6.8 to 3%. And National Hardware plans to price increase in December, but the amounts have not been specified yet. I did not receive a whole lot of information on community events or, or community news this week. Did get sent this one video by Skylar Town entitled, You Should Be Watching Artichoke. This was published on September 15th. The description says, Hey everyone, I often look at my following on here and think sheepishly about how rarely I'm able to make anything anymore, but it seems like the very least I can do is point y'all towards someone making incredible videos, so I want to share some snippets of one of my absolute favorite creators in Locksport, Artichoke. And he gives a lot of the reasons why he thinks Artichoke is amazing. And um, he shares three specific videos that he thinks people should watch. One, high security lock picker versus low security locks. And never write pick proof on your lock. And the third, how to pick the new Medico M4, which is Artichoke's. And that video is Artichoke's very thorough explanation of the Medico M4 system and his first public demonstration of picking that lock. Anyway, check out Skylar's video and uh, check out Artichoke if you haven't already. If you're not already a big fan, you should definitely be watching his stuff. Moving on to products. I swear I've covered something like this before, but I think this is a, a different version. This is Law Lock Tools Depth and Space Key Reader Card. This one's specific to EU style locks. The link I have is for the Vent or uh, ZFix website. and. On there, it's called the Key Raider Card 2 EU by Law Lock Tools. And the description says, Law Lock Tools depth and space key reader cards are designed to quickly decode a specific key code in the field or in the workshop. Simply insert the key and slide it to the depth gauge to read off the code for each position. You can also use the key space gauge holes to check the space is correct by aligning key shoulder to the top side of the card and make quick visual inspection through the holes. A very useful aid for impressioning locks and ideal for locksmiths or locksport users who may need to repin locks to a given key code. Manufactured in-house at Law Lock Tools Limited in the UK from 0.5 millimeter high yield 301 stainless steel. Anyway, if you are a lock impressioner, specifically these Depth and space key cards are really a cool deal because you also you not only get the cut depths, but you get the spacing, which is very, very helpful if you are doing impressioning. We have several new blog posts that I missed here recently. So first up, there's a new blog that I hadn't known about before called the Locksmith World Blog. Their most recent article is Should You Consider Locksmithing as a New Career Choice? To be honest, I haven't read their articles, really. I skimmed over the latest one, but this was shared with me, and I thought it would be good to put on people's radar in case it might be of something of interest. So check out the Locksmith World blog if you are a locksmith or interested in becoming a locksmith. Like I said, their latest article is, Should You Consider Locksmithing as a New Career Choice? Over on Lock Judge, we have a new article about Bully Lock. The article was entitled Bully Lock Innovation Shaking Up the Security World. And the article starts by saying the Bully Lock is a one of a kind lock 
and its smart design has challenged even the most skilled and talented lock pickers. The Bowley lock and the other locks from the company are original designs and are backed by high security features. While the concepts of these locks are pretty straightforward, they make a lot of sense and are rated well for their security applications. These designs and security features are evident in the three Bowley locks we will recap for you. The original Bowley lock, the Bowley 543, and the recently released Rotisera lock. And as stated, the article covers those three specific locks. It also addresses the difficulty of picking and the history of how few people have actually picked the Bowley locks and a short history of the company. So it might be worth checking out. If you don't know a lot about Bully Locks or you're just a big Bully fan, check out the article. And over on Tool Black Bag blog, they did a series of articles that I missed last week, recapping LockCon 2022. They have one article that they posted called LockCon 2022 Recap, and then several other posts that they put up at the same time, one on the car lockpicking competition, one on the regular lockpicking competition, one on the impressioning competition, and one on the tool competition. So head over to blackbag.tool.nl and check those out. Moving on to events and meetups, we'll start here trying to go in chronological order. So first up, the ISSA's LA's 12th Annual Information Security Summit takes place September 20th through the 22nd. They do have some physical security information, including a keynote by Deviant Olaf. Besides Charlotte, tapes place on September 24th and 25th in North Carolina. Besides Augusta in Georgia, takes place on October 1st. Yankee Security Convention, October 19th through the 23rd. They have a trade show and classes on topics such as basic locksmithing, electronics, asset access controls, safes, automotive locksmithing, and others. And here's a new one that I hadn't seen before. Locktoberfest in Chicago at the Pumping Station 1 Hackerspace on October 22nd. Besides Triad 2 in Greensboro, North Carolina on the 22nd of October. Saint Con 2022 will be taking place in Provo, Utah, October 25th through the 28th. Besides Charleston in South Carolina on November 19th. Pacific Hackers Conference 2022, November 18th and 19th, the Hacker Dojo in Mountain View, California, and Canberra Locksport meeting every second Sunday of the month in Fishwick, Australia. Moving on to Lockpickers United Belts this week. I only really have one new belt that I could find to announce, and that was announced on the Lockpickers United Discord. We have a new black belt, Bonks, or Bone in the Box. Picked the Asa Twin 6000 and the Miwa U9. He showed his creative side by making five challenge locks and a few custom picks, as well as a fingerpin tool for the Primus. So congratulations on your new black belt. And everybody, uh, if you haven't already, stop by and congratulate him. For those of you not familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system, there are several links in the show notes to the official rules page, as well as some videos that will explain how the game works and why it is a good system to get started in. Now it's time to take a quick break. Say thank you to the people that made this particular episode possible. 
I will start with the subscribers. We have Jimmy Longs, Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Lee Bonds Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Terrell, aka Anthony, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lockpicker, JHP Picking, Bare Bones Lockpicking, Deadbolt Cafe, NWA Lockpicker, Snake, Chief Content Producer for this episode, I believe for the third week in a row, Terrell, aka Anthony, thank you very much for all the information you sent in. Other content producers, Barebones Lockpicking, Correct Jeans, Holly, Ifisk, who is close second for co-producer this week, uh, Jeff Moss, Joshua Gonzalez, Knox Locks, Pyro Lock, Lockpicker1969, and Tony Verley. Thank you to all of you for your support and all the information you send in. And don't forget that the show is only possible because of that support. So if you value this podcast, please help support it by sending in your news, links, event, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related. If you think the community would be interested in knowing it or probably should know about it, send it in podcast at the locksportscast.com or any of the other methods that are listed in the show notes. You can also go to the locksportscast.com slash support or slash contact and you can reach me there. Don't forget to share the show with your lockpicking friends. Uh, leave a review, comment, thumbs up, whatever the platform you view on allows. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform. If you want to help the show financially, you are more than welcome to do so. You can uh, donate on PayPal, subscribe on Patreon, and I am also starting up a Subscribestar page because there's some rumors about Patreon that have made me nervous, and just in case, I'm going to create a... I've started creating a duplicate of the Patreon on Subscribestar, so if anybody feels uncomfortable and wants to move over there, that's fine. I will get a link in the show notes, or if for some reason something happens with Patreon, and we're forced to, there'll be a backup place for anybody to go. If you support the show with a donation or information I use in the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes, like all the people I just mentioned. It's really about the only benefit you get. If you are on Patreon, you do get the episode a little bit early. Sometimes it's only a matter of an hour. Sometimes it's about a day. If you want to send me feedback about the show or contact me in any for any other reason, uh, locksportscast dot com slash contact if you want your feedback shared on the show uh let me know and just re- keep it reasonable length flight work family safe no politics and no drama moving on to criminal news this is actually a story i've covered before but it's an update uh, there was a new article posted by the la times about the brinks jewelry truck heist and it was entitled they lost millions in Brinks truck jewelry heist and have big questions about what happened. And in the article, it says that after the expo, which took place in San Mateo, California, 14 of the companies that took place were victimized in the heist of a Brinks big rig at Grapevine Truck Stop on July 11th, which is likely one of the biggest jewelry thefts ever. Although the size of the haul is still in dispute, with estimates ranging from less than $10 million to more than $100 million U.S. The alleged circumstances of the heist have upset some of the jewelers who questioned Brink's efforts to secure their gems, gold, jewelry, and watches. According to the article, shortly after 2 a.m., thieves cut away the rear lock of the armored big rig and stole 22 large bags of booty during a 27-minute period in which one of the drivers snoozed inside the vehicle's sleeping berth and the other was getting food at the Flying J truck stop. One of the affected jewelers said, How could this thing happen with Brinks? They were not taking care of our goods. 
Allegedly, before the Brinks tractor-trailer departed, jewelers at the San Mateo County Event Center had been alerted to a potential security issue. While jewelers were packing up their booths at the conclusion of the fair, a representative of the show warned them over the loudspeaker that there were suspicious people outside the event center and to be mindful of that while departing, this according to three people who were at the show. They say such warnings are common at the jewelry show, having increased in recent years. Investigators believe the heist was the work of sophisticated criminals, given the lack of violence and the speed of the thieves' work, among other factors. The total value of the theft is the subject of two lawsuits filed in August, one of which was filed by Brinks against the jewelry companies that were the victims of the crime. The other was brought by the jewelers against Brinks. Brinks alleges in its lawsuit that the stolen items had a declared value of $8.7 million, a figure it said was drawn from the agreements signed by the jewelry business customers. The complaint seeks to limit any payout Brinks could have to make to the jewelers to that amount. Allegedly, they substantially underdeclared the value of their shipments, and some jewelers have said they assign their merchandise lower values than their fair market costs to reduce their shipping fees. And the jewelers allege in their complaint against Brinks and other parties that the unnamed tractor-trailer driver's conduct was grossly negligent, and that lax security by the company allowed the theft to occur. The lawsuit for alleged breach of contract additionally claims that the jewelry company's merchandise was worth about $100 million U.S., it seeks at least $200 million in restitution and damages. Additionally, the Flying J heist has exposed a quirk of the jewelry trade that is further complicating matters for those with the uh, stolen merchandise. Evidently, it is a common practice, according to the jewelers, to obtain inventory without paying for it up front. The method, which is similar to consignment, is known as buying on memo, and it allows jewelry companies to take on pricey items without paying for the merchandise until it is sold. The loss of the jeweler's inventory has been compounded by the fact that in at least four of the cases, the stolen items included those held on memo. Lee, who owns Supreme Gems Corp., is one such victim. Beyond the financial issues, he worries about his standing in the industry. Lee said that the cost of his stolen inventory was at least $12 million, He is still calculating what he believes to be their fair market value. But by his estimation, Supreme Gems lost merchandise alone dwarfs the 8.7 million valuation that Brinks has attributed to all the stolen shipments combined. But, like other victims, Lee gave items he shipped with Brinks a declared value of $400,000. He's quoted as saying, we never thought to insure it for more because it was so costly, so expensive. And Malky, co-owner of 47th and 5th since 2012, said that his company lost more than 650 pieces of jewelry, watches, and other items. The declared value of his stolen wares was about $100,000. He declined to disclose the fair market value of those items, but said it was way more than what he declared. Now, I, I agree in this article with what I know about the, the robbery so far. It appears to me like there was way too lax of uh, an attitude on the part of the Brinks security team. They were not doing 
a sufficient job of ensuring the security of the truck. So on that front, I I feel for the, the jewelry owners. They trusted Brinks, and Brinks let them down. My opinion. On the other side, they knowingly underdeclared the value of their items so that they get cheaper shipping. Brinks uses that amount that they have declared to know, one, how, how much security do they need on the truck, and how much insurance do they need? What is their, what is their risk? That's part of the reason you pay for the shipping. So if you're going to under-declare, then can you really complain when stuff does get stolen and you don't get back what, what you lost? It's like if you were to, if I were to insure my house for one-third of its value, and then it burns to the ground, and the insurance company says, you only get one-third of what it's worth because that's what you insured it for. That's what I get. I'm screwed. And it costs more to insure it for replacement value, but that's, if you want to get replacement value, if something bad happens, you have to pay for it. If not, you're taking a risk. And these companies, unfortunately, took a risk and they lost. Moving on to sales, nothing new this week. A couple actually dropped off, but we still have the Southord sale items page is live. If you want anything from Southord tools, go over there. The 10% discount link is still working for Review Guru. Head over to his Twitter page to find that. Also, I don't know how long the code SUMMER25 is good for, but summer's coming to an end, so probably won't be good much longer. Over at Barebones Lockpicking, the September coupon code is PRINCE10 for 10% off on everything in the store except Law Lock Tools products. Over at 3DLockSport.com, you can use the code LSCAST10 to save 10% at checkout. MakoLocks.com, use the code BUYMAKO for 15% off. And UKLockPickers.co.uk, you can get 10% off with the code GIFT. Moving on to giveaways, nothing new, just a reminder of the repeating giveaways. We have the Lockpicker1969 on YouTube doing weekly giveaways. Find the link to his channel in the show notes. Knox Locks doing uh, bi-weekly giveaways. You can check out those at the link to his channel in the show notes. And last but not least, CLK Supplies doing their weekly hashtag Lockboss giveaways. So you can check those out as well. As we come to the end of the show, I had mentioned a while back the Alpha Locks were on, shipping out on schedule. I had been one of the ones that told him that I could wait, so I'm likely one of the last to be getting one, but I have received my Alpha Lock. It is a beautiful lock. Thank you very much, Diggs. Uh, Digby Lock and Tool. Beautiful work on this lock, and uh, thank you very much for sending it in. It is a unique mechanism, and it's so pretty, I have not been willing to take it apart yet, which is unusual for me. I haven't picked it. I haven't made any picking attempts, and I haven't taken it apart to see how it works yet. Thank you to all of you that listened this far to the episode, to everyone who subscribes and sends in information. This show would not be possible without your support, and frankly, I wouldn't want to do it without your support. If, it, if at any point it comes to the point where you guys aren't interested in, in, in the show enough to help out, the show will just end but you guys are always great and very supportive and keep sending me information and little notes of support and i appreciate you so much so thank you and keep it legal